1: I am Chris. And I am Kurt. And I am Dave. And we are Nirvana. Ooh, you see too much of us anyway on TV. So you you can change another channel.
0: The hottest new rock band in the country right now may well be Nirvana, the latest export from the thriving Seattle music scene. The
3: song is called Smells Like Teen Spirit.
2: underwater and it's swimming towards a dollar bill on a fish hook and the dollar bill has definite materialistic connotation and the rest of it's open for interpretation man after the release of their first album bleach things began to change for the band guitarist jason everman was either quit or fired Kurt Cobain and drummer Chad Channing <laughs> began to butt heads over various matters, and the band was growing increasingly frustrated with sub-pop. It wasn't all drama, uh, though. Kurt also began to date Olympia, Riot Girl, and Bikini Kill founding member Toby Vale. who will be brought up a little later in some of the songs. And in Kurt's own words, his songwriting became, quote, less angry and poppier and poppier as he got happier and happier. He was now interested in, quote, emotional things with other human beings, and Kurt was beginning to look more to Pixies and Beatles as influences. When time came to record their follow-up to Bleach, he had written a batch of songs that were less sludgy metal, inspired riffs, and more melodic pop songs. So, Sub Pop recommended Wisconsin so producer... sold out. <laughs> Some people's Basically. eyes, yeah. Sub Pop recommended Wisconsin producer Butch Vig for their second album, the band went along with this based on Vig's work with post-hardcore band Killdozer, which I have never listened to. Killdozer, I don't know if anyone else. It's a else rad has. name, though.
3: Uh, it I was is, just yeah. about to say that is
0: an awesome band that, name.
2: And as That's far as what I know, I would name a
0: robot character in a video game, <laughs> game.
2: As far as I know, Vig really hadn't done anything huge before this. Uh, he has was a his, yeah, st- his first, yeah studio in madison smart studios but yeah he had done some indie bands killdozer being one of those but nothing else really big so in early 1990 they went to madison wisconsin to record an album to be titled sheep at his smart studios while there they were did you say s-h-e-e-p sheep yeah the the original name was sheep that's not as good While there, they recorded eight songs, including future hits like Lithium and In Bloom, and in between sessions, Nirvana played a show in Madison that was attended by around 75 people. Apparently, the venue had no PA, and thus Kurt decided (laughs) to just sing as loud as possible. Shred his vocals. (laughs) When they went in to record another take of Lithium, the story goes he blew out his voice and the sessions ended prematurely. They left to go uh, back home, and Vig set to mixing those sessions uh and i should also mention that it was in after this that vig then went on to record a little band the smashing pumpkins uh debut album gish at smart studios do those sessions exist somewhere now those eight yeah they're on the deluxe edition of nevermind
3: okay i thought so i thought so they're they're Interesting. on digital streaming as well i was actually listening to some of those uh before we started the record
2: so what are they called the the smart or something? smart sessions yeah if you just okay yeah Tensions between Kurt and Chad came to a head during the recording. And on the subsequent tour, Chad Channing (laughs) left the band again, depending on who you ask, quit or fired. Uh, Chad wanted to have more of a songwriting presence in the band, as well as some disagreements with Kurt about his drumming. Chad was (laughs) initially replaced with Mudhoney drummer Dan Peters. However, Peters wasn't really happy being in Nirvana. And so the band continued to actively look for another drummer. Luckily, Kurt got a call from uh, the drummer for the hardcore band Scream, Dave Grohl, inquiring about the opening in the band. Apparently, Kurt had seen Grohl drum with Scream previously, complimented it to his friend Buzz Osborne of the Melvins, and Buzz told Dave to give Kurt a call about that opening. In addition to a new drummer, other things started to change, uh, the next being their label. At the behest of Sonic Youth, Nirvana signed with Geffen Records. Geffen wanted the band to set about then recording their debut major label album and gave them $65,000 uh, to record it. They returned to Butch Vig, but this time at Sound City Studios in Van Nuys, California.
1: That's a substantial chunk yeah. of changes, uh compared to Bleach. $600, $600 to yeah. $65,000? Yeah. Uh,
0: I just think it's, jump. you
2: know, new new label, a new drummer, you know, going to Got record. Got Butch Vig in there. Yeah, Butch Did Vig. Butch Vig
0: relocate from
2: freaking I, Wisconsin? I think Smart Studios I... was his studio in Madison. I think he just flew down to Sound City Studios, which, as, as Matt had noted as well, it was where rumors, Fleetwood Mac Rumors was recorded. It's a ah. pretty storied uh, studio.
3: A lot of Tom Petty, uh, Ronnie James Dio, I think. L- lots of different people.
2: I just think it's interesting that in between the two sessions for what would become Nevermind Vig recorded Gish, which is just kind of interesting to me. So uh, according to a Rolling Stone article in 2013, Butch said that Kurt sent him a home recorded demo of songs on a cassette tape a week before the Van Nuys sessions of some of the new songs, including Smells Like Teen Spirit. And uh, Vig said that he knew it would be great just hearing the opening for Smells Like Teen Spirit, although he could hear little else on the tape because they just literally put like a, and they call them the boombox demos. They're also in the deluxe edition. They're just literally one mic, I think. I, I actually heard room.
3: that Smells Like Teen Spirit uh, to, today. I was uh, listening to an interview for the, I think it was probably press for that that 20-year reissue where you can hear it uh, with Dave and Chris Novoselic and John Stewart of all people uh, hmm. on the, uh, that that interview is available. I, I listened to it today, and you know, uh, told, told a lot of interesting stories. But they also played that uh, that that uh, "Smells Like Teen Spirit" version, which is it, like you said, is, is on that that release.
2: So they would record for a little over a month at uh, Sound City Studios, re-recording some of the songs they had done in Wisconsin at, at Smart Studios. Most of the songs were recorded in just a few takes. Reportedly, the band had rehearsed a bunch before they went into the sessions, and so they were It super sounds tight. like
0: it, can I say?
2: That sounds like they only did a few takes, or that they were really... No,
0: it sounds like they're way more rehearsed on uh, this one. yeah, yeah. Than on Bleach.
2: Uh, Apparently they were unhappy with Butch's initial mixes. And so they tapped a guy named Andy Wallace to mix the album, uh, mainly because Wallace had worked with Slayer and Kurt thought that was cool. (laughs) And so asked him to remix it. And uh, yeah, so they mixed the sessions. I have just one more thing here about the background, which is the album cover. Uh, The now iconic album cover was Conceived. Yeah, Get it by Kurt after watching a documentary on water birth. Uh, Initially, Kurt wanted a picture of an actual water birth on the cover. However, Geffen (laughs) felt that was too graphic. So instead, a photographer was hired who spent one day at a pool in L.A. tossing infants into the water with their parents (laughs) nearby. As the infants fell towards the bottom of the pool, they would blow air at their face to wrinkle their noses up and then would take a photo. The infant chosen for the cover was paid... Two hundred and fifty dollars for this picture, and uh, after seeing the photo, Kurt requested they add a fish hook with money in the photo. And and before they settled on putting a dollar on it, the band thought about putting either a piece of steak, a burrito, or another CD on the fish hook. Uh, now, how many how many children died before they took <laughs> the photo? That thing. They- I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I didn't say how. I, how many they threw in the pool but they threw several <laughs> is it uh, one I,
0: there's I have, no way they threw infants in pools well, they I have like often dropped
2: them. about um geffen agreed what do you have wait sorry what did you wonder about
3: matt oh i was just gonna say that i i've, I've wondered about this uh you know this, just how crazy this photo shoot must have been it's like they're just throwing kids in pools
0: uh, Ge- I can't believe they had to audition babies like they didn't just have I, I assume they just
2: had one that they were going to go with. No, I, I think it's weird. They initially wanted a water birth, though, they, they, and they found a picture of, of a water birth and they were like, "That's eh, it's too graphic. It's Kurt Cobain.
0: He's like, I need a placenta on this artwork or I need nothing.
2: <laughs> Speaking of it being graphic, though, Geffen agreed to the cover, but wanted a censored sticker over the baby's uh, penis. Kurt said uh, he would only accept this if the sticker read, quote, if you are offended by this, you must be a closet pedophile. Uh, <laughs> and they ended up not doing that. Although I seem to remember, do you guys remember there being an album cover that didn't have that part? Like that they had edited that out? Am I, I M- Mandela effect misremembering this? or I don't.
3: I, I've never seen that. I think I think you're right, Josh. Uh, I
2: thought there was like a Walmart version is, that was like... Is no there a Weird Al?
1: Is, is
3: this Walmart Weird Al?
2: Have it blurt out?
0: No, Weird Al has the penis on full display.
2: <laughs> weird
1: Al just... <laughs>
0: Get out of here, uh, Weird I, Al. I did want to mention that,
2: uh, speaking of being offended, though, in 2011, Facebook removed the album cover from its website, saying it violated their standards at one point. <laughs> um, so the album was retitled from Sheep to Nevermind and released on September 24th, 1991. The number one song that day was I Adore Me More" by Color Me Bad. <laughs> And the climb to the top was a little slow at first. It it landed at number one hundred and forty four, but by January of ninety two, it would be number one. Didn't they like not even like it when
1: they first heard it after Andy Wallace mixed it? Yeah, I he said it sounded like, like a Motley Crew record. Yeah, it sounds like a Motley Crew record. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so they, they just changed just their of the mo-
0: polish. Because of the, pol- like, it's more polished right. than what they were used to. I think to.
2: also part of that, though, is I think it's Kurt had this sort of, like, I don't know, punk, punk rock sort of attitude of, like, if it got, too, because it got so big, like, sort of a, you know, that album is shit, you know, kind of thing, like, had, yeah. have to reject it, you know, uh in the short term, at least. Sort of like John Lennon, you know, did with, like, Beatles stuff. Well, then stuff why even like, write it? sucks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so that was uh, it on the background. Um what about uh isn't there
1: supposed to be a kiss kiss hidden somewhere on the the back album the back Yes
2: of the I didn't get into that but yeah the the back is a, a picture is a art piece that uh Kurt had made yeah and is I looked at it for a while but supposedly there's kiss is hidden in that image uh, I don't know if anybody- he oh, is it the the monkey
3: or no or
2: the monkey is not, the monkey is Gene Simmons. That's actually Gene Simmons in a monkey suit. <laughs> okay,
3: I have... Cool! One, one more thing on whether or not they, they liked the output. Uh, Michael Azerod uh, called it as if the music were a jagged stone encased in lucite. And I thought that was a pretty, pretty apt description of kind of, you know, how raw it sounds, but also how smooth and, and, and accessible it sounds. Yeah. Got that Sound City sound
0: and that that Butch Vig production.
2: So, uh, what is everyone's kind of relationship with this record? Because I I was going into this. This is one that you know I was super well acquainted with since I feel like as long as I can remember. (laughs) Um, And in some ways, and so you know, having an older brother who was a teenager at this time, I heard this album a lot. And so uh, you know, I feel like I sort of this album has been in my life uh, forever. Um, but what, what about you guys what what is your sort of uh, relationship to this, uh, this this record?
3: I've listened to this record a hundred times at least I, this was in <laughs> heavy heavy rotation circa 1999 2000 uh, for, for, for me so I, it was one of the one of the records that I would I would put on and I would play my guitar to just song by song uh, in the weekend you know in the small town, uh, that I lived, you know, cause there wasn't anything else to do. Yeah. That was about the same time
0: period that I got into it big time, but the first time I ever heard it, I'm pretty sure my dad was playing it and he played it a lot, <laughs> which is if you know, my dad, it, it's really weird cause he no longer listens to rock music or anything good or cool. Um, I think it's just cause it was like, it topped some charts at the time. So he was like, yeah, whatever, I'll get this.
1: I think the first time I heard Smells Like Teen Spirit on a mixtape that my Uncle Tim made for my family. So that was like 19, when did it come out? 90 or 91? 91. 91. 91. So I was probably around seven. And I just remember hearing Smells Like Teen Spirit. And I thought, I mean, I really liked it. It stood out to everything else that was on that that mixtape, there was like, you know, the bangles and like, I don't know, Boingo <laughs> Boingo and Depeche Tan. Mode.
2: <laughs>
1: Joy Division, I, had... I think Joy Division was on there, but uh, that was the first time I, I heard it. But I didn't get this, didn't get the actual album until maybe 7th or 8th grade where I, I m- might have traded some CDs with a kid at school or uh, I just bought it off of him. I
3: don't know. But then I got the CD and listened to it. So, yeah. I yeah I still remember the CD cover with the uh, with the water effect um, on yes. the actual CD itself. Oh okay yeah oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> the
0: the the printing on the disc like, yes. <laughs> I remember that now. I haven't looked at the CD in a very long time. Um, well, well, we can get to that when we ask everyone how they listened. So I'm sure we all listen different ways, but.
2: Yeah, I mean we could talk about that now. I, I I listened. I I did listen to the CD, and I do have this on cassette as well. But I didn't listen to it on cassette this time. I, I strictly stuck with the CD. Um, you,
3: you oh, I didn't know you would. Uh, you put a CD in a CD player to listen to this. Yes, nice. I'm glad you did that
0: because the secret song is only on the CD, right?
2: It's it's on Spotify.
3: Well, okay, yeah. It's on it's on streaming now, and they give it its own track. Yeah, but. Do you remember going to stick it in your ear with me to buy this this record? I think I was buying a, a second copy because the, the first copy had had uh, uh, you know I I'd gone missing or something. But I specifically had them play it to make sure that it had the secret track because I knew that it wasn't on all of them.
2: Ah, <laughs> no, I don't remember that trip, but uh, the, yeah, makes sense. Did, did you which, actually buy which the,
0: ones? Is it not on?
3: record or
2: did you listen to it on CD? The CD, okay. yeah. I,
3: this this would have been you know back in in high school rebuying it and and wanted to make sure that i that i got the the endless nameless track
1: I just had it on a uploaded to my iTunes from my c d and listened to it on studio monitors and
2: it was Ooh. pretty rocking butch fig knows what he's doing
1: I actually listened to vinyl
0: um really which, what are you? yeah so the v- vinyl uh has never had the the extra track at the end endless nameless as far as i can tell mine mine certainly didn't uh there probably was not space to include like 10 minutes of silence yeah. plus <laughs> six minute song mm-hmm. it was not an original by any means it was a, a reissue for target uh that was a uh, a, a pretty marbled uh, gray or silver color, and uh, it sounded really good through my uh, some isolation headphones. Nice, nice. That's how
3: I listen. From from what I'm told, I guess it, the the secret song was not on the first. You know, I think they the first pressing was forty thousand or something. That that was something they talked about in in that interview. Uh, yeah. So the the first forty thousand didn't have that song. So <laughs> the, the They're almost more, you know, I guess rarer.
2: Yeah, yeah.
3: Than not. I I think uh, there was a
0: mistake, and Kurt was very mad. That's what I heard.
2: Yeah. (laughs) All right, let's uh let's get into song by song. Are we guys ready to do that? All right, track one. Cool. So track one is, of course, smells like Teen Spirit. I don't think anybody needs an introduction to this song, but uh, to give a little background, at least on the title, um, if you haven't looked it up, there's a video on YouTube of Kathleen Hanna, a Bikini Kill, uh, you know, lead singer, uh, t- talking about uh, hanging out with Kurt Cobain and, Uh, She decided after a day of drinking, as the story goes, to spray paint on Kurt's apartment wall. Kurt smells like teen spirit, uh, which was a reference to the fact that his girlfriend, Toby Vale, also in Bikini Kill, uh, wore teen spirit deodorant. So I think Kathleen was sort of like Poking him a little bit, you know, saying like that he smelled like his girlfriend. Uh, But Kurt didn't know what teen spirit was as far as he didn't know it was a deodorant. He just saw the phrase (laughs) on his wall and thought it was really interesting and wrote it down. And then sometime later he was writing the song and he came up with, uh, you know, the riff, the four chords and, and decided to go with Smells Like Teen Spirit as the title based on what Kathleen Hanna had written on his wall. Uh, And supposedly, Kurt had written this riff and they played with it for a while. No one in the band really knew what to do with it at first. Dave and Chris didn't really like it, uh, but they messed around with it for uh, a while, an hour and a half, and then they came up with sort of the whole song. And as such, it's credited to all three members of the band, unlike the other songs on the album, which uh, most are just sort of credited to Kurt. So uh, what are you guys' thoughts on Smells Like Teen Spirit?
0: It's hard to like even talk about it cuz it's just it is what it is. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It is this monolithic thing that everybody's
1: played to death. It was the song that defined
0: a generation.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've it... heard this song so many times that I don't know, it's really hard to have any kind of uh, genuine judgment on it anymore. Can
3: I can yeah. I tell an embarrassing story? Yes. So I I I, men- Please I mentioned do. uh I mentioned that I listened to this a lot in middle school. Uh we had an 8th grade party that uh I decided that I wanted to to play a few songs for with my uh-uh. dad and one of these one of the songs that we played was uh was Smells Like Teen Spirit just bass and guitar and I I don't know how I was that fearless and also clueless <laughs> <laughs> as, as a younger man but uh <laughs> Do you have an but, out of
1: body experience? <laughs> I,
3: I I have an out of body experience when I think back upon it, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was it was four four songs, and this that, this was one of them.
2: I think the, the reason I, I find that particularly embarrassing for you, Matt, uh, em- empathy embarrassment, is uh, that. One of the things that I realized about this song while kind of listening to it and trying to think of something to say is, you know, it's the same four chords over and over again. And so much of what makes it sort of interesting is the dynamics of it that, you know, they change things up subtly, because if you strip all that back, for instance, if you were to strip it all back and just play it on guitar by yourself at an eighth grade party, it's just the same four chords for the whole time. Like, I I could see why that would be like after a while, you're like... "Uh, is this, is this song going to change at all? Is this guy going to do anything different? Because the recording of it, you know, there's little things. Dave Grohl adds in, I noticed, a, a crash. He sort of starts riding the crash on the second half of the chorus, and that really amps it up a little bit. There's <laughs> just this dynamic changes that, that happen that make it interesting, because otherwise it's just, you know, four chords yeah. over and over again.
0: Four
1: chords, two chords. Two notes played over the, the verse <laughs> Matt I, I, I feel for you though because uh, one time I, I I played Smashing Pumpkins Tonight Tonight on acoustic guitar in front of like an entire camp but I didn't want to <laughs> sing it so it was just me with acoustic guitar and then like some, one of the, like, the counselors he was kind of lightly playing piano in the background so didn't sing or anything so that was I, I feel you man <laughs> I love it if you wanna uh have some fun,
0: look up YouTube uh YouTube fails, not fails, but uh like junior high. It's one of the most talent showed songs of all time for young teens. Oh no. I bet yeah. so, I saw, uh,
1: oh I don't even know if I, I mean, can watch it.
0: <laughs> well I've I've seen it in real life, for one. I'll tell you that story. Oh no. I'll, but the there's one that I saw online uh of uh a girl singer who was a little too into it and a little too hot topic and a really nerdy boy on uh clean guitar <laughs> and uh no bassist ballsy 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 yeah so the verse of this song with no bass is one of the funniest <laughs> things i've ever heard in my life
2: it's
1: just acapella
0: it's just dun, dun. ding ding
2: And Uh, this girl who's really, really into the lyrics. Um, Which the lyrics, I I, I want to mention this as well. Sorry, Blake. The lyrics, I just got to mention... Not a song that the lyrics are necessarily saying something super profound. You know, it doesn't tell a story. There's nothing where if you were just listening to the lyrics, you're like, "Oh, I get that." It's just a bunch of like nonsense kind of strung together.
0: If, it's like if you're a teen, it almost seems very profound,
2: but maybe
3: <laughs> not if you're if you're not. Yeah. Here we are now. Entertain us uh, was was something that Kurt would say. He he would show up to a party and say, "Here we are now. Entertain us." Uh, it just, he, he was the party dad. <laughs> <laughs> he was
0: a party dad. He had a, he had a Tommy Bahama shirt on.
2: <laughs> uh, so yeah. I, entertain me. <laughs> I interrupted your story, Blake. What were you saying?
0: Yeah, you no. Know, it's um, when I was in junior high. Um, it's probably my first school talent show. I wasn't in it. I was just in the audience. But I saw someone. Lucky. I saw someone we all know play this song with a band, and. Uh, it was, it was not bad like the, uh, the YouTube videos. Uh, as I recall, it was pretty good because they did have a bassist and our, um, our band teacher, Mr. Finger, was playing <laughs>
3: drums. He was <laughs>
0: playing now. the drums? drums. Yeah. He was he was no Dave Grohl, but he was a decent enough drummer to just kind of it seemed like he had never heard the song, but he was just <laughs> kind of winging it, but he he did fine. Uh the song sounded fine. It's four chords and everybody the the kids went ape shit. I have not wow. heard that story. That's I, a great story.
2: Um
0: Yeah, he he's probably pretty embarrassed. So don't listen.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I I did kind of wonder and maybe this is I feel like our age group. This is probably our introduction. But h- how many of you were introduced to this via Weird Al's version? I, I'm I think- glad to, that you mentioned that,
3: Josh, because that is exactly how I was introduced to the song. <laughs> that 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 may be other than seeing uh, the, the girl in the shirt at camp. That may be how I uh, how I <laughs> the got it. Girl in
2: the shirt. It sounded very. Well, you hadn't told us that, so just hearing. Well, like, seeing for, the girl, from. I remember. I remember. Guess, for,
3: I remember. Yeah. Last time on. Uh, okay. uh, I'll, I'll do a I'll <laughs> drop in the, uh, the audio. Can you give me some doodly <laughs> Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes yeah, so you, you, you can, the, you can the, just doodly do to that, to that clip, The
2: but... the, we, the Weird Al version is so Like I feel like Baked into my experience of this song That I can't hear it and not Think of it's hard to bargle Noirdle's mouth with all these marbles In yeah. your mouth <laughs> That is also like... a
3: lyric that sticks out for me It's
2: hard to bargle. It's like, yeah. every time I hear Smells Like Teen Spirit, I just am like, he should say that. It's a, <laughs> such a great line.
1: <laughs> I love that the solos are like a kazoo in the
2: gargling, the gargling.
1: Yeah, I remember. Oh, and like a trumpet or something, or like a trombone. <laughs>
2: Guys, why are we? Why are we doing Nirvana? Let's just, fuck it. Let's just do Weird Al. <laughs> just,
1: all right, just, next. All Detour. Right,
2: next. Dare to dare to be stupid. All right, let's record scratch
1: um, in three D. Right.
0: Yeah, can I can I tell my friend's story? Speaking of Weird Al, uh, I promise I'll make it quick.
1: You he, may.
0: Uh, Okay, this is funny. I swear, my friend um, Adam was uh, blaring a uh, Weird Al version, smells like Nirvana, in his house or whatever. I don't. He, I think he had probably a VHS tape of Weird Al videos. He, oh, it nice. seems like something he would have.
1: Alapuzza. Um,
0: his hyper-religious father came down, heard uh, loud distorted guitars, <laughs> and was like,
1: "What in the hell are you playing in my household?"
0: And his defense was, but dad, it's a parody of the hard rock music it's I'm not listening to the hard rock music I'm listening to the parody. His dad did not take that for an answer Aww. so no dad wasn't down was with Al
3: banned. not
0: not with it. that one. it Man. sounded
1: too close to the original, thought the original. everyone could appreciate some al
0: that's the devil's it't it's the devil's music <laughs> doesn't matter what lyrics you're you're mumbling.
2: So, uh, like a surgeon instead. Any any other thoughts on "Smells Like Teen Spirit" before we move on?
0: Yes, I just want to introduce the verse melody as solo. Kurt <laughs> Cobain strikes again. Playing the melody of the uh, verse vocals as a solo, right? Yeah. He did it a little bit in Bleach. Yeah. We see that, again, track one here, and maybe it'll be a theme. I don't know. I just wanted to introduce that concept. There
2: are a few. Another theme I should mention is uh, the lyrical use of guns. Uh, is introduced yeah. in this. Oh with, yeah, uh, yes. What's the first line about bringing your gun? Load up on guns. Songs
3: one, two, and three. Load up <laughs> yeah. on guns. Bring your friends. I I've heard previous earlier versions of this. Uh, the first time they played it was April seventeenth of nineteen ninety one. Uh, but uh, I've heard versions where he says uh, load up on guns, kill your friends. Um, you know, a lot of lyrical. Yeah. You know, di- different different lyrics. You know, as he was working through them.
2: Yeah, guns are definitely a theme though, throughout. Uh, other other thoughts on "Smells Like Teen Spirit"?
3: I mean, it's great. Uh, it's it, it's hard to it's hard to praise, or it's it's hard to have anything else to say about you know this this kind of a song. It's a retroactive. You can almost skip it because you've you've heard it so many times yeah. that yeah that, uh, that's how I feel.
2: You know, I, I and, do have to say though, as an introduction, it's a great first track.
3: But, Butch Vig uh, told a story about you know how he would periodically say, "Now, now, Kurt." Teen Spirit's got to be number one You, you got to do it for first track so, so he was pulling for that as well
1: Solid yeah. opener for sure It
2: really is, yeah Alright, second track, In Bloom again In Bloom, I should have mentioned Smells Like Teen Spirit. Smells Like Teen Spirit's written after the Wisconsin sessions, before the the Sound City sessions. In Bloom was written before Wisconsin and recorded initially at Wisconsin with Chad Channing. And uh, Chris claims that it started out sounding like a bad brain song. Um, As such, uh, with it being recorded at Wisconsin, it was the first song they re-recorded at the Van Nuys sessions with Dave Grohl. Uh, along with a lot of the other material they had done at Wisconsin. And, and Dave mostly just followed what Chad had already done uh, on the song, although he kind of tightened it up uh, a little bit. And as far as what this song is about, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's sort of about nature um, and and the sort of primal thing. I have theories. Uh, uh, but also uh, uh, biographer Charles Cross contends that the song – was a, quote, thinly disguised portrait of a friend of Kurt's and drug buddy named Dylan Carlson, who was a gun-loving uh, guy who was in the drone metal band Earth and uh, would be Kurt's best man and also reportedly bought him the shotgun that he used to kill himself later. Uh, so, yeah, that supposedly is what this song is about. is this buddy of his that was way into guns. But that's uh, at least the theory of Charles Cross. I don't know if that's... Um, universally accepted
0: if you just kind of take it at face value without knowing context to me it sounds kind of like the Ozzy Osbourne effect remember that controversy like uh, teenagers listening to songs and misinterpreting them and becoming violent because of it that's what I get from it I don't know
2: yeah oh you're saying that's what the song's about
0: it seems like that's what it's about at at first blush I could get that yeah
2: right no, yeah, I, I mean, I've heard or, different interpretations. Another one is like that it's about the whole, you know, he's that it's about these fans that don't know anything about them but would come to the shows and sing. It's a kind lot of to like their songs.
1: the Rage Against the Machine outburst right now, with, you know, like <laughs> oh man, fans just realizing that they're a political <laughs> band. Oh my gosh, gobsmacked by
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> Listen,
0: just... if if I wanted to hear political stuff, I would have turned on fox news when i go to a rage concert i just want to relax
2: <laughs> i i did notice that in bloom to me had some similarities to smells like teen spirit in so much as uh besides yes. the lyrical connection of guns uh the fact that the verses are very sparse like bass and drums you know yep and then drum the and bass chorus yeah, it drops kicks out. it up so i thought that was interesting what what were your guys' thoughts on in bloom
1: it's it's one of my favorite tracks actually i, I agree think. I also side note: Don't think that Weezer's Buddy Holly video would have happened if it weren't for the In Bloom video. Oh, oh yeah,
2: yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It totally absolutely. paved
1: that way, you know, with Rivers being such a huge fan of Kurt. Uh, but yeah, I I love the song, and it's definitely one of my favorites.
2: I I concur. One of my favorites as well on the album.
3: In Bloom rules. Uh, I I used to uh, to try and play this on drums. I don't know if, if uh, Blake if this was an it, it's it's a it's a drum part that lends itself to relatively unskilled drumming, and you know it's yeah. just it's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, it seems fun. I, I was I was gonna gonna say this earlier. This, this is the album that that sold a million chorus pedals. Uh, you know <laughs> I, I love that 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 kind of watery jangly guitar. Um, the solo in in bloom is probably my my favorite nirvana solo or at least it's definitely uh, definitely up there it it's got the melodic elements you know it, it doesn't necessarily go exactly with just the, the 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 vocal melody but uh it also kind of just weaves in and out of of you know feedback squeal and and noise but it it's it's still you know cohesive and and keeps it together through the solo. it's it's a really great guitar solo <laughs>
2: Yeah, I, I noted, I thought the bass line is, is deceptively good as well. It's it's very simple bass line, but very melodic. And that's especially true on the chorus. Um, and I, I just, yeah, it, I agree with Logan, one of my favorites. Uh, but the bass in particular, this is one of those that I really noticed Chris's bass playing uh, just being really, really good. Um, and, and kind of uh, doing a thing that I think is what you should be doing when you play bass, which is sort of like subtly changing things under the, the, the melodies at the top so that the melodies sort of that are more front and center, like the vocal melody takes on a different sort of m- meaning and sound. And I think Chris is really good at that, you know, on the chorus, like the sing songy nature of how it's going back and forth with the, he's the one you who know, I pretty, it's sort of, I don't know. It's a very sing songy chorus to me, but the bass line, he's sort of accentuating everything. It's, it's very good.
0: Yes. Agreed. <laughs> um, I love how how this song slaps right out of the gate. It's it's great to go from uh, Teen Spirit into In Bloom, and it just bangs right from the beginning. Sell the kids for food is a great <laughs> op- opener. Great way to open a song, always. Yeah, just great great energy to come off of the first. You know,
3: the arguably overplayed track. You're totally um, right. Great second track. I, I yeah exactly. <laughs> almost almost a a definingly great second track. Uh It's like, "Oh, yeah. the
1: album's starting now." <laughs> yeah, it's
3: like, "Okay, that that's the
0: song we've all heard a trillion times. We know that one. Oh wait, this album like still keeps
3: going and it gets better." Okay. Dave's um, high harmonies on the on the chorus are are yeah. also really superb. Uh Oh yeah. I, I, I guess he So he Dave is a, doing that. He had a a hard time getting the notes, so he would just smoke more. <laughs> Which, which is pretty rock do and roll. it roll. <laughs>
2: uh,
3: i watched Butch viggs pull up kids.
1: pull up those harmonies on, yes. on the mixing board like just yes. in oh, isolation man. and i thought that was pretty I need to rad. look that up right now
2: all a pretty song and to sing like
0: Their voices sound pretty cool together
2: I think that's particularly cool to note because it is a song that had been written and recorded already at Wisconsin. So I wonder if Dave coming into it, you know, he's just sort of following what Chad had already done, although he was again, tightening it up, but it is cool that he, he kind of brings this other thing to the band. Like it's almost like his way of saying, okay, like, yeah, I'm going to follow what this guy's drum parts are, but here's how I'm going to make this song even better by adding these harmonies and like these other little subtle changes that maybe weren't there originally.
0: I, I called the solo an an A harmonic solo. Not that I know anything about guitar solos, but <laughs> to, to to me it was like, okay, this is definitely not just copying the verse melody. And this one is 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 one of the ones where Kurt goes goes wild, goes all over the place, and and doesn't really give a shit about melody, but still good.
2: All right, uh, let's get to the third track. Come as you are. Yeah. so come as you are was written after the wisconsin sessions and as far as uh, background on this song um uh, the main thing i, I will notice that charles cross says the song title might have been inspired by the slogan of the Mork Hotel in Aberdeen, which was a hotel Kurt had stayed, in. and Cross didn't even know uh, about this hotel's slogan until he was doing a reading out of one of his books in Aberdeen, and a local showed him a postcard that said, Mork Hotel, come as you are. And he was like, oh, that makes sense that that might be where Kurt got that phrase. Um, it was supposed to be the the big second single The label thought that Smells Like Teen Spirit would sort of pave the way, would bring in those people that already liked Bleach, and then that Come As You Are would be this big crossover hit uh, for the band. Adult contemporary. Boy, they didn't know it was going to happen. Yeah, I was actually going to, well, I I have a question about that for you guys in just a second, but I want to mention that the reason uh, Kurt was kind of resistant to this is he realized after he had written it and they'd recorded it that it sounded similar to uh, the band Killing Joke's song 80s, which uh, I will, will drop a clip in of that here. <laughs> and he was wary of, of putting out the song as a single because of how close it was, and apparently the lead singer of Killing Joke also noticed the similarity and was upset about it. <laughs> Although people have pointed out there's also a song by the band The Damned called Life Goes On that has an even closer riff to Come As You Are. So, who knows what Kurt um, was inspired by. Uh, All all three of those are
0: are kind of upsettingly similar, and it's not just... It's not just the notes; it's the guitar tone is the same, yeah, and the effect.
2: I should mention the and damned. It's like, what's going on? The damned predates Killing Joke, so, you know, it's okay. funny. The Killing Joke singer got mad about Kurt ripping him off, but you could argue he ripped off this damned song. So, yeah, wh- I want to ask you guys: Why do you guys think the label thought this would be the big crossover hit?
0: It's a different sound than we've heard from Nirvana. Uh, if if we're going in in track order, this one comes out, and it's like. Okay, I, has has Nirvana sounded like this yet? Not that I know of. True. And if my dad is any indication, it was a huge crossover hit <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> with
0: the the adult contemporary crowd. I don't know if he speaks for everyone else, but it, it, it's maybe they thought it would be more accessible because it's not it's not all noise. It's got a a, a cleaner verse for sure. You, can you we can we have really your dad drop in on this?
2: <laughs> yeah. Can we have your dad's a, thoughts yeah. on just a
1: quick. Blake's dad drop in, like, well, actually, at the time, I thought...
2: <laughs>
0: at the time, I don't remember playing that record, so <laughs> I... <laughs> uh which one now?
2: I thought Come As You Are, to me, it feels like it's the most, production-wise, sounds the most of its time, and I kind of wondered if that was like part of the reason they, they thought it would be this big crossover hit, is it sounds like a song that would come out in 1991, um, you know, late 80s, yeah. early 90s, but... But why the
1: first three songs off the album... Like, isn't that kind of weird, like the first, you know, the three singles are the first three off the album?
2: Yeah. I don't know. I wonder how many people, like, bought the album, listened to those three, and then were like, oh, I'm done, Damn. and then never All listened your... to the rest of
0: it. <laughs> we're just like, It wouldn't be the first time that <laughs> happened with an album. Oh, for sure. Uh, um, examples aren't coming to mind, but I know it's happening. So
2: as far as, uh, what are you guys' thoughts, though, on Come As You Are, uh, the song itself?
1: It's a catchy little song. I like the guitar sound a lot. And the, the water imagery in the video, I think, complements you know, yeah. the guitar parts and then the theme of the album and the album cover.
2: Chorus, chorus, chorus bangs.
1: Thing. You know, the chorus is huge. So I like that. But other than that, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not my favorite on the record.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, on, that. on a
0: record where there, there are no bad songs, um, and I, it's, it's hard to, to drag any song. It's just, it's not my fave, man.
2: Yeah, yeah.
3: But no, no hate on it,
2: right? Matt, come as you it, are. Is it your it's favorite a little, song?
3: it's a little uninspiring. I, I, I do like uh, Dave Grohl's drumming quite a bit. Uh, you know, there's a couple of times where he just, you know, has some perfectly timed cymbal one twos that 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 serve as great transitions and the, um, you know, kind of the, the busier part on the on the verses, uh, da ba, 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 ba that. I, I think it, it's a good performance from from Dave.
2: Yeah, I agree with what everybody said. Pretty much, it's it's as Blake said, not not uh, my favorite on an album of.
3: But it gets good it
2: songs. gets so
0: much love and and so much play to this day. But it does. Um, I I wrote down that during the the verses when you can hear the the vocals a lot more cleanly you can almost hear the origins of the butt rock vocal start to <laughs> to take shape. Was I the only one who thought
2: that? I could, yeah. Matt and I have had this conversation before about, I mean, specifically in regards to Alice in Chains, though, about, like, how much responsibility for launching just a bunch of shitty bands like Nirvana yeah. and some of those grunge bands have. Because, like, oh, they yeah. were trying to, but there are a bunch of bands that, like, came about because they were like, well, I want to sound are, like Nirvana, and then they.
0: We all know there are thousands of terrible vocalists who have, who Kurt Cobain is their their idol.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: and a lot of them were one-hit wonders in the late '90s, early
2: aughts. For sure,
0: um, th- this once again um, had a uh, a sort of VMAs uh, verse melody as solo, not precisely, but pretty much the verse melody is the solo. Oh, definitely, yeah, C- certainly
3: close enough to count uh, uh, yeah, under yeah. under that metric. Count it, yeah. count it, confirmed as a VMA's, and 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 I think it doesn't work as well as a melody at you know solo melody as "Smells Like Teen Spirit." I, it's just not not right. quite as compelling.
1: Doesn't uh,
3: rock as is hard.
1: Is he talking about bleaching them works again in this song? Where Does he like, say that? Soaked
2: and bleach you know oh you know what the... that actually shout out to bleach be... i didn't even think about that but you, I, you in might, the might be onto something there logan because there are quite a few i mean supposedly I, I don't know if it's been verified but there are quite a few heroin references on this album so i don't know Not shocking and, yeah. and i, I like the, <laughs> the the bleach reference as a, as
3: a uh, when juxtaposed with the the doused in mud you know come doused in mud soaked in bleach uh, you know, yeah. Mud. kind of a nice, nice dichotomy, and mm-hmm. and and that's that's a, a lyrical construction that, that that he does quite a bit. You know, the, these comparisons and and um, putting together of of, of non-alike things or, or or opposing, you know, images and and, and, and concepts.
2: An albino, a mulatto.
3: <laughs>
0: Mud is a euphemism for heroin. <laughs>
2: All right. uh, Next (laughs) song. I'm trying to move a song. Sorry. Next song is Breed. Brought to you by. (laughs) Y'all done, horse? All right. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Don't do drugs, kids. Uh, The next song is Breed. one of an older songs that they recorded. It had actually been recorded at the smart studio sessions in Wisconsin, but it actually dated before that. Um, and I don't have a lot of information on this other than uh, that. Yeah, it's, it was an older song uh, written, I think right after bleach uh, had been performed as early as 1989, uh, originally titled Imodium, uh which is a diarrhea <laughs> medication. Matt, I think you had something about where that title came from.
3: Well yeah uh Tad's coming back uh, when when they were on their European oh. tour with 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 Tad. with Tad uh you know the lead singer of Tad Tad <laughs> last name escapes me uh, um you know just had constant <laughs> stomach problems and it was a a really not fun tour and and he was constantly throwing up and shitting so so we took a lot of emodium
2: yeah so much um,
1: bush life.
0: the reason the reason they changed it is you you never want to follow emodium with lithium. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think you can really tell that this song comes from that that era because it it reminds me of kind of a bridge between bleach and this album um, where you have this sort of repetitive vocal melody like was on a lot of bleach where it was just sort of saying the same thing over and over again, and uh, sort of following the guitar riff for the vocal melody you know the on the verse the i don't mind i don't mind i don't mind uh just reminded me of like a song on bleach a little bit with with those it is
0: it's like bleach but also uh the feedback squelch is straight out of bleach at mm-hmm. the beginning oh yes
1: that snare roll at the beginning is i think my all-time favorite snare roll i've ever heard in a song can, like kind of that can opening can I... snare and then that that distorted that distorted
0: bass the, is so slaps so, so fantastic
1: good. this is my favorite song on the album for sure. Oh,
0: really?
3: Yeah.
1: It slaps. Yeah. Okay. It is my definitely my favorite song on this album. Uh like you guys are saying, it's, you know, repetitive lyrics. It reminds me of Bleach, but sounds way better. The bass is crazy. But yeah, I think I also <laughs> I remember some friends of mine making some kind of song. They recorded them playing Bleach. Uh I'm sorry. Uh Breed and they were I don't know, singing about like don't smoke or something like that it was like a don't smoke psa but they used this song in the background so that was like the first time i'd ever kind of heard the song (laughs) and so Mm. i think that plays into my you know looking back on it but it's it's my favorite track
3: you were talking about that drum fill, Logan. Uh when they went to, to get equipment, uh Butch Vig and, and Dave Grohl went to the drum store and, and they found the loudest snare in the store. It's a brass snare and the employees called it the Terminator. So it, it you know, they're they're in in good company. Uh, that are totally sense. right about that snare real. I'm gonna go to Guitar Center and
0: ask for their loudest snare. I just Sounds had this, like a uh, machine this yeah.
2: vision of <laughs> I just had this vision if this song was recorded in the late '90s, early 2000s, and they used like a piccolo snare instead. <laughs> it's <was> like
1: <laughs> I'd be so pissed. It was just like so like a pissed.
2: 311 song. Like, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> uh,
0: that'd be great. Uh, I thought it was the. I don't know about my favorite song on the album, but uh, when I was listening to it today, it, when it came up, I was like, okay, this is the best one so far out of the out of the four we've heard. Really, this is. This is
2: the best yet. I, oh yeah. I, I don't know about. I I still think in bloom, but yeah, that's
0: maybe that was just my mood. I mean, I I, I like things that rock. Well, this is hard one that you fast. probably
2: haven't. heard. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, Smells like Teen Spirit. Comes your in bloom. You've heard those fucking a million times. So yeah, you know, hearing yeah. a different one, you're like, oh, it's something different. You
0: don't hear Breed as much as in Bloom,
3: yeah. For sure. Um, he he does the Kurt Cobain, uh, interesting chord progression trick on the on the chorus. That that's it It's got the the sensibility of a bleach song, but he's he's you know become a better songwriter, and he's got that really kind of interesting yes. uh chorus uh chorus progression absolutely and then goes
1: goes back into a simplified verse I dig this the crazy solo that just gets more and more hectic and just keeps going up the neck a little bit more each yeah. time and I think that was really cool, yeah. It's a it's a noise solo. It's it's not
3: a melody solo. It's a, it's one of the noise ones. Am I remembering correctly? Doesn't it have a big pan too?
2: All right, uh, next up we got Lithium. Lithium was one of the songs recorded at Smart Studios in Wisconsin originally, it was actually probably the, the song that brought the conflict between Chad and Kurt to a head. Uh, reportedly, Kurt was very upset with Chad's drumming on the song, just felt like he couldn't nail the specific idea he had in mind. Chad felt like Kurt was sort of being you know, overbearing on him about that drum part. Um, How hard is it? Well, I just—I guess song. Kurt had an idea in his head, and he just didn't feel like Chad was really getting uh, to it. Uh, Charles Cross says this was the song that people danced to at their concerts, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> to say I believe it. I believe it. And uh, this was one that when they went to re-record it in Van Nuys, that, uh, again, it be, was sort of a tougher song to record. They kept speeding it up, and Butch Vig eventually forced them to play to a click track, which really annoyed uh, Kurt and some of the others. And apparently this was the song where they got so frustrated recording it that they just started jamming at one point. That jam became Endless Nameless, the hidden track at the end. It was born out of just right. them jamming at the end of lithium when they couldn't quite get it. Uh, and as far as what this song's about, it's, it's supposedly about a guy finding religion after the death of a loved one. Um, and, and that's at least what Kurt has said it's about. Uh so thoughts on lithium. I have a few. Go for it.
0: This is the epitome of the loud, quiet, loud. <laughs> for sure. Um and I mean we we've we've been hearing that, but this is like that times ten, and it sounds great. I I, th- I think it comes directly from the pixies, and that's no secret.
2: What I think even the chord progression is very pixies, the way like you think of yes. like Where is my mind or gigantic, those sort of chord progressions, it, it's very similar into those that it's just a bunch of chords sort of, you know, strung together.
0: And, and just the, just that the chorus is the, the audacity to have a chorus. That's just the word. Yeah. A bunch of times.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: It's great. Yeah. 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 I love lithium. Yeah, It's one of my favorites on the album. I'll, I'll save the final ranking for, for the end, but it just, it's got all the elements, you know, it's, it's got the, uh, the bass and drum part—it's got a great melody. It's—it's it's so hooky, and yes, it's got those same uh, juxtapositions. Uh, you know, the "I'm so happy, I'm so ugly." Uh, It's—it's—it's it's, it's a great tune.
0: And instead of a solo, correct me if I'm wrong, but instead of a solo for for the first time on the album, there's a, a kind of a
3: different bridge part that's really cool. I'm not going to cry part. Yeah, uh they actually faded that out on the smart is it smart studio? Uh yeah. they they faded that that out. They they added the hard stop for the album version, but uh but I really like the, the I'm not going to crack part. I like I'm I'm glad
0: they instead of a fade out, they did the uh the hard stop thing cuz I think it sounds cool.
2: Yeah, I specifically on that bridge I was going to point out how much I love Chris's bass part on that bridge. Cause kind of going back to what I was saying earlier about that idea of the baseline sort of changing to emphasize different parts, like the way he on the bridge, when it's doing the it's, it's basically Kurt saying the same thing over and over again, but he changes the bass part to make it change dynamically. You guys know what I'm he works talking up about? Up and it's, down
3: the octave. Yeah. It's a very, right, a, it's a
2: very McCartney esque bass part the same way Paul McCartney would do that on Beatles songs, where it'd be this mo- melodic and riffy bass line that would just kind of change the way the, the, the song sounded, you know, um, dynamically. Chris sort of does it on this song. Um, and, and just, it's really, really good on that bridge.
1: I say skip it. <laughs> Whoa. Uh-oh. Whoa. Hot, really? Hot take. Skip it. Don't like lithium? It's probably my least favorite song on the album. I like the okay. I think Whoa. the lyrics are good and You're blowing me away, Logan. I just I feel <laughs> like it's a really lazy song. I feel like Okay. Th- I feel I like they on that. I feel like Nirvana would have thought that this song was boring. I stand I, can, I stand by the verse I'm and sure. bridge lyrics, but otherwise just saying hey on the chorus was really lame to me for some reason. I don't know, which that may have w- well, been their intention to do that, I don't know, but I just...
0: I, I didn't know him. I didn't know Kurt personally, but I'd be willing to bet money he did not like this song or <laughs> most of his songs. Your
2: opinion on this is actually funny because your opinion on this sounds similar to my opinion on an upcoming song we're going to talk about. About just being I think you lazy. and I are going
1: to be uh, flipped on that, too. <laughs> I, I know okay. what song you're
3: talking about.
2: Because uh, I, have, I have an opinion about that coming up. All right. uh, I
0: agree that it is a lazy song. Uh, I mean, look look at the chorus
1: lyrics.
3: <laughs> I don't fault it for that, though. Yeah, like Fuck I, it, it's, they didn't need any lyrics. It's
2: it's fine,
1: <laughs> but I'll probably skip over it.
3: Okay, that's
2: do you hot like takes. The, the do you like the bridge I'm liking part it. when it gets to like because the bridge part to me almost serves as like a chorus. Yeah, I like. The, I see the, the verse
1: in the bridge for sure. I like that, but otherwise just like the chorus is really disappointing to me and it just i don't know it just sounds boring to me i don't know i feel like they would really be got to dance in. to it logan
2: <laughs> it is one of the yeah it's weird to me that people yeah. it is one of those that i do feel like i everybody that learned to play guitar played it at some point in high school like when they're just sitting around dicking around on guitar would start playing the chord progression and it just because it is just such a interesting chord progression i feel like if you learned to play, you know power chords in high school and middle school, you you played this song.
1: I've never learned how to play this song, ever. You never learned how. <laughs> no, I swear. Floored. Never have even tried to play this song part. on guitar. I've I've played Breed on guitar. I've played Come As You Are, In Bloom, and yeah,
2: Come As You Are is another one for sure. Spells like Teen Breed Spirit. Breed definitely
1: be more fun to play, but yeah, sorry. Hmm. <laughs>
2: All right. Nope. Uh, All right, skip it. Next up is Polly. I think I should get off her first. think she wants some water
3: to put out the blow torch. Isn't me? Have a seat. Let me clip, dirty wings. Let me take a ride, cut yourself want some
2: help please myself got holly told... was written as early as June 1989 uh, v- v- one of the early ones inspired by uh, a case a real life case in which a serial killer named Gerald Friend had kidnapped and tortured a girl in Tacoma in the From classic a show
3: he kidnapped her God. yeah well
2: and there's different there's different things about this because there was a later incident in which uh, I think a, a, there was some girl that had been kidnapped after a show that I feel like they get conflated a little bit, like which story exactly. Um, in the classic albums documentary for Nevermind, Chris says it was based on a case that Kurt had read about where a girl pretended to be into her kidnapper to escape and that that really struck Kurt as as interesting. The fact that She had pretended to be into the kidnapper in order to escape, but I don't know if that's necessarily what actually happened in the Gerald Friend case from what I read up on it. It works
0: in every TV show.
2: Yeah. So I don't know if the the discrepancy there, uh, this, this track was actually one that was recorded at smart studios in Wisconsin and kept, it's the only song on the Um. album that they recorded there and then kept it. And as such, the drumming on it is actually Chad Channing. He's doing the cymbal crashes. <laughs> yeah, I was going to um, say,
0: there is no drumming other than yeah, a few cymbal But hits. he's
2: not credited on that. It wasn't until reissues that they've credited Chad Channing. Because fuck Chad. Uh, and, oh, and the story goes that...
0: <laughs> Anybody could have hit that cymbal.
2: <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I guess they just didn't feel the need to, to, to do uh, that again. Kurt uh, apparently played just a cheap five-string guitar. He bought at a pawn shop on it. And uh, I thought it was all in- also interesting that uh, in the Classic Albums documentary, Charles Cross says that Kurt took the perspective of the torturer in the song, uh, similar to Truman Capote's In Cold Blood, giving it a very literary sort of bent. And um, yeah, so, so that is uh, sort of the background on Polly.
3: Elsewhere in the, in the, the Cross book, uh, it, it was evidently Bob Dylan's favorite nirvana song uh which which i thought was interesting um it i listened to that classic albums uh today and it almost reminds me of a song that you might find on blood on the tracks just that acoustic and bass uh arrangement Mm -hmm. you know you add in the cymbal crashes for for this but uh but Mm -hmm. it's it's telling that that that's his his favorite song It, it, it it sounds like one it makes
0: sense now i'm just now learning that this was recorded a different session uh different studio and it, it sounds like it it has a completely different sound from the rest of the album um so far not not just that it's acoustic but i don't know it's just, just the sound is different mm-hmm. it's interesting to hear that it's a, a cheap five string acoustic it sounds like so boxy and it's not bad it's just it tracks that it mm-hmm. it was a, a last minute purchase from a, a pawn shop
1: i think it's a really haunting. And powerful song for sure, but I have really just had learned about the background on the song, so since then it's taken on kind of a new light for me. I'd always kind of had wondered, I always knew listening to it that it had some, it was alluding to something, and I didn't really know what it was alluding to, but Mm -hmm. now that I know it, it just. I don't know, it's 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 a pretty haunting kind of song to me. Um, so it's hard for me to say if, like, I mean, I li- I do like it. I think it's yeah it's a good yeah. performance. I think I like the performance of it. And I heard Butch Vig talk about it a little bit and how it just wasn't going well. And so finally he sat him down on the couch and he was just playing it and they got the microphone out and just recorded it right there. He's like, yeah, do it like that. So I I thought that was cool. Yeah,
0: when a song doesn't work, just just break it down to acoustic, and that that trick
3: has has worked in real life for me. I know it well. I I feel like this is kind of the thematic successor to Paper Cuts. You know, kind of a taken <laughs> yeah. from uh, you know, rip from the headlines. Uh, yeah, you know, and, and it's and it's law and a, order. It's a challenge. It's challenging uh, stuff. the 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 line uh, "Let me clip your dirty wings" is just it's brutal, and you know it it's it's a really really dark but but good piece of writing i
2: so this is the one I, I was gonna say that i i think i feel the way about this one that logan feels about lithium that it's oh, really? I, I, this is the one i would probably skip
1: oh you're talking um, about this one
2: yeah ah. I, I i this is the one that i feel is kind of half-baked now, at the same time i realize though that I don't think a more produced sound on this would sound good. Like have you not way heard it's reported, the as you said other
1: version of it, the heavy like the full new band new wave version? poly? Yes,
2: yeah. yeah, yes. And I do, I do, I don't mind it. I guess it's just it's not one that I like. I'd rather listen to that this version, album. I would probably honestly. skip this one. Yeah, I see I feel that way. At the same time though, like you were saying, it's a good performance. It's definitely haunting the way it's recorded. I understand why they didn't want to go in and re record it and Van Nuys. Like it, the way they got it there probably suits it better than anything else would, would probably suit it, but it's just one that I don't I don't know. It feels kind of tacked on to me a little bit but maybe that's
1: i think it shows and again none
2: of the songs on this are bad
1: because so far most of the songs have been pretty like pretty rocking and this is the first point in the album that kind of it it changes and it kind of takes a new direction Mm -hmm. a little bit and i think it's really important even though i i love all the rock stuff and want usually that's what i gravitate towards but in this instance i think it's just a kind of a dark cool little stripped down song that shows like hey there's another side to him
3: too peels back the skin a little
1: bit or the the onion i don't know
3: <laughs> yeah it's not the first song on the record that that ends up on the unplugged but it's it's definitely the first song where you where you hear what that unplugged concert it you know yeah. how powerful that would be you know and, and that they have this they, they also have this gear you know they can write breed but they can also do you know they can also do this
0: yeah yeah that was exactly my thought when when listening um, this it's kind of an unplugged prequel you get a taste yeah. of, of what that sound is going to be with this definitely one. that's a good point
2: all right next up is territorial pissings
0: that's the end of side a is that the, by the way on the vinyl okay end of side a on the vinyl and that's a good end, good, end of good side a yeah, well, it's side six, sp, you know, twelve tracks, six and six. Can it be the end of side A of the podcast, and we take a quick break?
3: It's a physical sensation, Teen Spirit, and a perspirant made for you and your generation, Teen Spirit. A physical
2: sensation with fragrance is made for you, Teen Spirit. The harder you play, the harder it works, Teen Spirit.
1: Just for team
2: All right, we are on to territorial pissings. Can I Come give on, the the vinyl? Can you give what?
0: <laughs> Can I give the vinyl perspective? Yes. I thought Polly, Polly, despite not being my favorite on the album, is a great closer for side A, and Territorial Pissings is a kick-ass opener for side B.
1: Hell yeah, it is.
2: Put it in that perspective.
3: That it is slaps, a
2: man. As far as background on territorial pissings goes, um, I don't have a ton really. Um, it was written, I believe, after the smart sessions, right, Matt?
3: Yes. It's not. It um, wasn't
2: one of the ones they recorded there. No. And uh, I, yeah, I really don't have a lot of background on it. Uh, other than it's sort of kind of about misogyny in some ways. There's the line about never met a wise man. If so, it's a woman and uh but then there's also the line the uh, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're after you line so it's it's got kind of a collection of different uh phrases that kurt liked but yeah there's not really a lot of background on it as far as like what it was about that kind of thing can can you
0: give me any background on uh who says the thing at the beginning it's chris oh yeah that
3: is chris oh is it okay that's his goofy voice. All right, what's that all about? Is it just fucking around? They yeah, just you know they, they told him to sing something. I, I I get the feeling that that Chris was a really kind of goofy guy, uh, and and you oh know, yeah, th- this seems in character with with other other things I've I've heard about him. Uh, I do know that that this was recorded in one take, uh, including Chris's part. And uh, Kurt plugged in uh, over Butch Vig's objections. Uh, he plugged in straight to the console with his guitar. And I didn't know this, but I, I guess that's kind of a um, a low budget uh, punk method that you know yes. saw a lot you know seventies and early seventies and or excuse me late seventies and eighties. Yeah, and it's it's a it's like urban legend
0: type stuff that that engineers hated punks for plugging directly into their machines, but uh, hey, they couldn't afford amps. Yeah. Now what what Kurt Cobain was doing with his uh, sixty thousand uh, dollar <laughs> recording session, I'm not sure. But maybe that was responsible for the really awesome guitar tone, especially. I think so. It this.
3: is a really interesting tone. Yeah, it's really aggressive.
2: I could definitely see it being a thing where Kurt would be like, "No, nah, man, this is how they used to do it. We got to do it this way." And Butch Vig just being like, "We could just mic your amp, like we do like you know, but, Butch sort of being like, this is it's okay, yeah, we do it exactly. this way.'" But Kurt being like, "No, we've got to plug directly, in. that's how they used to do it."
0: You Butch know? Vig's monocle popped off. <laughs> <laughs> but, the results were, were good, though, so it, it was not wrong in the end.
2: Um, to me, this song always feels, I mean, and this is not anything new, uh, obviously musically connected to like Breed or Stay Away on the album, how they kind of all yep. have a very similar vibe. Uh, lyrically, uh, or at least the title, I feel like there's the sort of nature theme to this album between this, you know, Territorial Pissings, then you've got Breed, you've got In Bloom, You've got the line in Lithium about I'm so horny. Like, I feel like Kurt was thinking a lot about, like, primal (laughs) urges kind of at the time when he was, you know, writing words for this album. Yeah, it just feels like there's a lot of songs sort of in that vein. Guns is a theme, and nature is a theme, for sure.
3: And bodily function.
0: (laughs) And then fecal matter. Fecal matter. Um, Yeah, it's just a, it's another more punk rock influence one he lets his voice go nuts on this
3: one.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Oh yeah his, S- more similar to to a bleach style yeah he he blew his vo- he was constantly blowing yeah. his voice out on recordings and and this one was it's kind of the oh yeah the, the
2: i love how you example. can hear
0: you can hear him blow his vocal cords toward the end of the the refrain oh,
3: He almost sounds like he's crying like a baby. It's 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 quite a performance. Uh,
2: like a baby in a pool. Speaking of talent shows, uh, uh, Matt already knows the story. My brother did this song for his high school talent show. And so I think this was one I had to hear quite a bit as a kid. I remember him playing it quite like a lot off this album because um, of that. I also think, uh, Matt, you might be able to correct me if I'm wrong or anybody else if you looked this up, but when they were on Saturday Night Live... They did. Smells like Teen Spirit, and this song is that right?
0: Yeah. Were these? I watched that. Yeah. Yeah. That's so weird. And
2: so I wonder if that also was why I feel like I heard this one a lot as a kid, because my brother probably saw that and thought like, "Well, that's really cool. I'm gonna (laughs) do that at the talent show or or play this song a lot."
0: Did they say the name of like the song? Did they announce the song? No, they just usually.
2: It was Charles Barkley that hosted. I think it's just like and now Nirvana that kind of thing.
0: No, I at the at the high school talent show. Oh, Did, I don't know. Terri- Is Is this Charles territorial
3: peepee.
2: Charles Barkley was <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, he, it was like the clerks cartoon. Charles Barkley they, just shows up. They brought him in. <laughs>
3: yeah. Uh, Speaking of that that high school performance, I'm pretty sure your brothers told me that that the band teacher was playing drums for him as well. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Apparently, band teachers were just like. <laughs> Anybody, any kids want me to play drums for their nirvana cover yeah
0: hey they're what's well, a vicarious thing um i ask about the uh the the territorial pp thing because um at a high school talent show i remember uh some kids who are really bad at playing instruments did a uh, blink 182's damn it but they announced the song <laughs> darn it like, principal or whatever <laughs> and announce- <laughs> he, an- he announced it as gr- I think they told the principal or whoever was running it that the song was called Growing Up so that's how they announced it
2: mm. Wow! I thought you were going to say Darn It I mean, yeah. Darn It would be funnier Darn it. but they were just like <laughs> that was, what I was hoping for, and
0: so and so with Growing Up and then like <laughs> their song here came Darn it. Really, like, <laughs>
2: yeah. uh, uh, it the
0: song fell apart by the way completely fell apart oh it's, no it's, uh,
2: as far as, like, opinions on this song, uh, what are your guys' thoughts? I like
0: it. It smacks. It's okay. <laughs>
2: See, I... Okay! I, I, I'm, I'm going to okay. be somewhere in between there, because I, I like it, but I, I go back and forth as to whether I like it or Stay Away more. Because I feel like they're very similar, yeah. and I'm like, some days I like Stay Away more, some days I like Territorial Pissings more. It's, I think
1: just, this one's uplifting to me for some reason. I think it's it's just like a upbeat positive punk like straightforward punk into the you know into the board straight in i i love it i think it it is very balls
2: to the wall yeah
1: rips and i think the it rips it shreds i really do like the never met a wise man if so it's a woman i think that's really powerful and
3: i never i never grokked that lyric when i was listening as a kid that is a that is an excellent line but uh but but i never never heard that that till i i started you know looking into this
2: that shows the sort of, uh, I mean, there's a lot of stuff about Kurt sort of being uh, a feminist, but uh, the sort of influence of, like, like he you know, was dating Toby Vale of Bikini Kill and, like, hanging out with Kathleen Hanna and that sort of circle of the sort of riot girl thing. So I'm not saying that you have to do that in order to have these feminist, uh, you know, feelings or, or or that, you know, consider yourself... A feminist, but it just—I wonder how much of their influence sort of rubbed off on him. I mean,
0: do guys just suddenly start having feminist thoughts on their own with zero <laughs> good point.
1: female influence? I don't know. I think it's—you don't hear songs that I don't know. You don't hear guys in bands putting in lyrics like that. I think this was a really yeah. ahead of its. I mean, it shouldn't have been ahead of, ahead of its time, but it it was, you know,
2: in some ways. Yeah. All right. Uh, any other thoughts on territorial pissings before we move on? Matt, no, it's know. a lot of fun okay. Alright, next up is Drain You One baby to another Says I'm lucky to you I'm
3: down.
2: And Drain You is one that's written after the Smart Studio sessions. When I was doing some background research on this one, I thought it was interesting because I found that uh, supposedly this was workshopped during a time when Kurt and Dave formed a band, quote unquote, with Dale Crover of Melvin's and his girlfriend. And uh, Kurt sort of brought the song in and Dale came up with that drum part, which I find interesting. Um, I don't know what Dave was doing. I couldn't find anything about what Dave Grohl did in this band, because obviously he wouldn't be playing drums if Dale Crover played drums. So I don't know if he played guitar, Guitar? bass, whatever. Guitar and Um, vocals. According to NME Magazine, there are 11 guitars on this this song, uh, which Butch Vig insisted on doing, but Kurt disliked. And yeah, that is sort of the background. What is this? On a more of that song? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's, the, it's that Butch Vig production. Self burn. Um, Ouch. And and I guess I sh- should say the one other background piece is supposedly the uh, the sort of opening lyric about one baby says to another. Uh, what's what's the line? I can't now. I can't remember it off the top. Says, of Says I'm head. lucky to met you. I'm lucky to met you is something that Toby Vale had actually said to Kurt. Um, and the song is sort of about their relationship. In, in some ways, and, and sort of, I think, more about the idea of two people who are newly in love and sort of feeling like children or something um, together. But, uh, yeah, uh, I, I would say, by the way, after In Bloom, this is one of my favorite songs on the album. Um, I would put this up there for me. Uh, Same. With In Bloom is one of my my faves yeah it's it's a great song i, I kind of wonder how much of that comes from the fact that i haven't heard it a million times <laughs> like some of yes. the others but it is a it is one of my favorites the the breakdown especially is is really cool
1: it might even be one of my favorite nirvana songs for sure
2: yeah
3: i i have seen this listed in uh, as the the best nirvana song in in one of the you know several ranked the nirvana song uh, articles i've seen uh, it's great uh you know it's it's got all the melodic elements it's got the quiet loud uh the, the breakdown is great uh, the breakdown reminds me a little bit of of the love buzz breakdown
2: mm, yeah yeah, yeah it has kind
1: of a train goes off the rails kind of vibe to it uh but whenever yeah it kicks back into that main riff it's just like the hair on the back of my neck will just stand up yep. i'm
3: just like oh, oh wow wow it's great, yeah. yeah when it gets back yeah. in, it is. That's where you hear those eleven guitars. Is when it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I wonder huge, how,
2: if huge. that's where all the guitars are.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love it, and the the whole noise interlude is just like these these nasty open chords, very aharmonic, but then it does it builds and builds and builds, and then right back into this pop hook that just slams. Shoot, I might
1: have to retcon myself here and say that. Ah, I, I said. I "Breed" was my favorite. It could go hand in hand with this one.
2: I I think another thing I really like about the song is not enough songs start immediately with vocals. Like I I feel like it's sometimes yes. a crutch as a band to like when you do the thing where you're like, okay, we're gonna start with four four bars of the exactly. you know the intro, and then exactly. we're gonna start. Like I like when so like the, how this song just launches straight into it. It's actually I, I mean I don't know what. Uh, how much we're going to talk about our songs, but it's it's one of those that I sort of with uh, burned it. I was like, this is what, you know, we need to go straight into vocals and guitar, <laughs> like rather than letting it wait around. Like, I think that's cool, that, that idea.
0: And, um, uh, oh shit, what's the other song? We, blink and you oh, blink So... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that start that or at least the recording was, starts immediately with vocals right. but by accident i think but yeah <laughs> that
2: one wasn't as intentional but i just think that's a cool I, idea when when that yeah. happens but uh I,
0: don't I, I i love the way territorial pissings ends with uh it it a vocal cord being shredded and and guitars feeding back and then pops right into that that hook yeah of drain you and and it's My favorite transition on the album, probably. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Between songs.
1: I never knew that the lyrics were, chew my meat for you.
2: (laughs) Well, (laughs) it has a lot of these references to, like, I I think, I want to say this was the one where it was originally titled, I should probably Google this right now, it's originally titled something related to, like, being an infant. Because he had this whole thing about, like, you're, you're newly in love, and so you're acting like babies for each other or something or, or like your little kids again but at the same time I feel like there's or some like, like a mother bird <laughs> into
3: a baby bird, mouth yeah or, or yeah.
2: something yeah. I don't know yeah I feel like uh, yeah there's,
3: there's feeding there's traveling through the tube and end up in your infection the, the lyrics are, are great on this but my favorite is the uh, um, with eyes so dilated I've become your pupil you taught me everything about a poison apple he's doing the pupil pupil uh uh, hominem yeah. there it's it, it's so good
2: originally titled formula that's what it was originally titled because it was about like because mm. of baby formula that idea oh uh, yeah i think
0: drain is better for sure but it's uh it's got great uh harmonies that those classic uh kurt harmonies i don't know if it's just kurt or if the others are credited with singing it on on this yeah too, probably course. dave did something hard to tell
2: okay next up is lounge act me I want it more but I still. I'll rest myself. lounge act is named this because the intro bassline reminded Kurt of something a cheesy lounge band would play uh, this is another one about Toby Vale uh, so insulting to Chris <laughs> yeah he's like we're gonna call this lounge act baseline um, wanking
0: around the base <laughs> over there.
2: this is this is <laughs> this is one that uh, it, it has a lot of lyrics about Toby Vale supposedly the line I'll arrest myself I'll wear a shield is a reference to the fact that Kurt had a tattoo of the K Records logo, which is a shield, um, which, depending on your interpretation, so one interpretation is he got that because of Toby. Toby Vale had been on K Records with her band Go Team. K Records uh, was a the label that Beat Happening was on, sort of a twee uh, label. And the other interpretation is that he got it because, with K Records being uh, a band that had a lot of very twee, sort of sounds that he uh, he got it to remind himself of a childlike, always have a childlike spirit. I think that's a, a little far-fetched. I imagine he got it because of Toby <laughs> Vale, but um, yeah, I just thought it was interesting, that line, I'll arrest myself, I'll wear a shield as a reference to that. This is one that, um, I don't know, it's not one of my favorites on the album. I thought this right one was going to
3: be you, the one that you... We're we're gonna say was a la- was a lazy song, Josh. I I know I know that you, uh, that you are not a big fan of this this song. I I, nah. I feel like I used to like this song more than I do now, and I'm not really sure why. Um, I like the bass part. It, you know it, it, it's a it's a great you know fun bass line. Uh, but it, there's just you know there's not as much here. You know it's kind of a letdown after uh, after Drain You.
0: I feel like it's some of Chris's best bass playing on the album hmm. i don't know if i'm alone in no, thinking that no, maybe it's just because he opens the song really strong okay yeah it's definitely a, a bass showcase i call this song uh the pleasant surprise of the album because i i forget that it's on the album it's, al- it's almost like a sleeper hit in, in that sense uh but i i'm pleasantly surprised to hear it i f- forget about it but that doesn't make it bad um, I, I I dig it like it's not my favorite but I really love how so there's verse chorus verse chorus and then verse 3 and chorus 3 are the same thing but the higher vocal register up, yep up an octave and, and just screaming it instead I like that about it putting that that Cobain the, the stank cor- on it yeah yeah put, put he puts the stank on it the <laughs> chorus to me sounds like REM or something did anyone else
3: get that I could see, I could see cord.
2: that for sure. I, I know what you're saying. I have an REM reference coming up, but yeah, I right. I, I, I had REM. not
3: thought about that until you mentioned it, Blake. But yeah, I I think that you're correct that that's it's just the speed, like the 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 the
0: BPM is kind of like an REM sound sounding BPM. There's a certain jangliness to it in that moment.
2: You would think I would like it more. I don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, this it's and
0: not, and the not... the bass really shines. This should be your favorite I don't, song. I don't
2: know. I just I. I don't know why I, I, I don't, by the way, again, there's not a bad song on this album. I would, right. I consider this like a great album through and through. It's just, if I'm I'm ranking them, this would not be in my top, top tier.
1: I like this song. I think the vocal fry that he does, like at the beginning, that, uh, it really sounds like a burned out lounge singer dreading like a long night. <laughs> <laughs> at least how I imagine it Tony been <laughs> fun. It just cracks me up, <laughs> but I do, I think the standout is the base for sure, but I can appreciate, but I think if, if we could ever, uh, form a, a Nirvana cover band, we should call it Lounge Act and just do all yeah, l- lounge versions name. of, uh, <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: like a Richard like... Cheese sort of thing. Yeah. We'll just be the <laughs> Lounge Act.
0: That's the best possible name for oh, a ouch. Nirvana cover band. Even even if you're not doing like a Richard Cheese, some surely someone's already done it.
1: Hey, hey, um, come I, as you are. <laughs> yeah, Warren's in the background. Yeah. Just Tom Jones in it. Yeah. Poop as hard as rock.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My now I'm just thinking of Sinatra. My poop is as hard as a rocker. <laughs> 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 uh, I was just doing fucking New York, New York.
2: <laughs> uh, anybody have any other thoughts before we move on? Oh, I was going to say, say the
0: ending is it sounds like they just slowed the tape machine down at the end, and I, I, I dig it's just kind of like a. Yeah,
2: y-
3: you're totally right.
2: All right, next up is Stay Away. Was one that was recorded at Smart Studios originally and was called "Pay to Play" initially. Um, hmm. I kind of see this one as a twin in a lot of ways to "Territorial Pissings." Has a similar yep. intro. This is the one I had said I had an R.E.M. reference. If you listen to the R.E.M. song White Tornado, which is a B-side, was, I don't even know if Kurt would have, depending on how deep he was in the R.E.M. catalog, knew this one, but uh, White Tornado has a very similar intro to this song. Um, the last line... I'll point out of the song, you know, he's kind of saying stay away a lot. But the very last line, if you didn't catch it, (laughs) is God is gay, Um, which Kathleen Hanna says Kurt spray painted on fake abortion clinics. Uh, But I want to say that uh, when I was doing some research, apparently the phrase he was arrested for spray painting was ain't got no how watch him a call it, which (laughs) I have no clue what that means. He was
0: he was he was really drunk.
2: Uh, yeah. But apparently God is gay is something he would say uh, uh and it is the last line of of this uh of this the, song. And
0: the the church crowd was not happy about that line. <laughs> the
3: Terminator snare drum is is making a making a, a big reappe- impression <laughs> here. It's that it's that same machine gun uh roll that that yep. he pulls out.
2: Other thoughts on Stay Away? I like it. Um I dig it. Another hard fast rocker. Do you feel like it and Territorial Pissings, like, which do you They're prefer? Brothers. Which do you like better? Can you say which you like better between the two? I don't know.
1: I like Territorial Pissings better.
2: Okay. Um, I, I think I, I like I, cheese. It, it
1: has
3: one of my favorite lines, the better dead than cool. I don't know why. Yeah. Oh, I've not caught that. Uh, this is more, uh, it's got more great uh Chris bass playing. Yes, uh, yes, this is a th- great there's kind of There's kind of a bridge uh, section where he does that same kind of arpeggio, uh, very kind of melodic and, and moving line that, that, that really propels things.
2: I find his bass yeah. playing all the more impressive when you look at how fucking low he played his bass. Like, I don't know how oh, his yeah. wrist didn't just constantly hurt because he I, plays it so goddamn low, but he's like moving all over the place <laughs> on that I bass. think he
0: invented the Blink-182 style of, of guitar <laughs> strap. Yeah. <laughs> the the vocals do a thing that I don't think they had ever done to this point, which is like a call and response and I noticed that. He puts the response in like the left speaker.
2: Oh. Like that oh. monkey
0: see monkey do and then the distorted whatever the answers is kind of off to the left. Yeah. It, it it's not Pretty typical cool. for for a Nirvana sound, but kind of interesting.
1: I think it'd be a great B-side.
3: There's a there's a delayed ring out uh, on his vocals at some point too. That's that's a really neat neat thing that that you don't hear them do much. You know, it's it's more of a studio effect. Yeah,
2: yeah. I just I, territorial pissings and breed are kind of 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 a similar piece. It's it's interesting, um, but at the same time, I don't I don't know if I would cut any of those. I feel like they all deserve a place on the album. And the fact that there's all three of them makes it almost feel like, I don't know, I feel like uh, they're, yeah, I feel like they're like a trilogy or so. Like, in the same way, I feel like there's kind of the the more melodic hooky trilogy of, like, In Bloom, Drain You, On A Plane, like, there's sort of these different styles of songs on the album that Nirvana can do, and one of those is just the straight-up, like, balls-to-the-wall punk sort of, like, song, and, and as exhibited by those three, you know.
3: I, I like how the drums yeah. also fall apart at the end and you know, kind of go into that, that solo and, and the, the really low-tuned uh, guitars because it then transitions really well into the feedback that starts on a plane. That's probably my favorite transition.
0: Yeah, got a great noisy it's feedback cool too, yeah. outro
3: once again on Stay
0: Away, and then that, that telltale feedback squelch. On the next one. I i won't jump ahead, but.
2: Well, we can, you know if we're mean. ready to go ahead, we can go ahead. Are we, anybody have any other thoughts on Stay Away? Nope. God is gay. God is gay. All right. Uh, on a Plane is next. The
1: finest day I've ever had.
2: Plane is a song about writing a song. Uh, The lyric one more special message to go is actually a reference to the fact that this was the last song Kurt wrote lyrics for on the album. Uh, And I find it interesting that after Endless Nameless, which has the lowest play count on Spotify with 25 uh, or Endless Nameless has the lowest play count on Spotify, which makes sense. It's a hidden track. This song has the lowest play count uh, of any of the other songs, though. On the album. That's a crime. Which is really That's weird to me. On a that. plane is, you know, On a Plane has 25 million plays. The next up is Stay Away which has 30 million. So somehow On a Plane the least listened to song on Nevermind other than Endless Nameless. Yeah. Which I I, fi- mean, I find weird as well cuz it is uh probably one of my favorites as well.
1: <laughs> it's a banger. I dig it, but nothing too exceptional but i i I like the the lyric the finest day that i ever had was when i learned to cry on command and i just imagined him in some daisy high actually figuring out how to cry on command (laughs) like mind completely Uh, blown uh, like oh i have this new power i can (laughs) i could do this now (laughs) cracks me up
2: yeah I always get a laugh out of what he's the line about the love myself better than you, which I do like that part a lot. I like the harmony a lot, but I yeah. can't not think of big Lebowski with the calmer. Than you are dude. <laughs> when, <laughs> when calmer. Than you are dude. He's like, love myself better than you. That's all I could think about. Calmer One more note dude. on
3: the lyrics. The, the, uh, don't quote me on that was actually just a, a joke that they were, you know, saying, uh, to each other, you know, as they were recording, like, you know, where's the mayonnaise, uh, well, it's in the fridge, but don't quote me on that. <laughs> they talked a lot about mayonnaise
2: while recording this. <laughs>
3: <up>. <laughs> where, mayonnaise.
2: <laughs>
3: the the where's the mayonnaise is is a quote from uh, the the Azeroth book, uh, but, <laughs> but but my, my question just was well, where else would it be
2: <laughs>
3: in the fridge? Uh, uh, but yeah, I, I
2: actually on a plane uh, is is one of my top. I put it up there with. In bloom and, and drain you as sort of the trilogy of the the pop songs on the album, you know, in some ways.
3: I, I feel like it's the most kind yeah. of straightforward song, you know. The uh, but but it it works really well. It, it's just so so hooky and and fun.
1: Yeah, the oohs are good.
0: Yeah, that that no, that's great. You're right. Um, I love the ooh and the harmony is like prototypical great nirvana harmony um just the, on a song structure level i love this song the way it there are it just goes first chorus first chorus no it doesn't let you take a breath for an instant until you get past the bridge and there's a little bass walk down yeah, yeah. and then right back into the hook and I, lo- I love how fast it all goes
2: you know i actually should check i wonder if this has more plays on the unplugged version like i wonder if one of the reasons it's lesser played on this is that a lot of people listen to the unplugged version or prefer that um but i don't know i'll have to check that later
3: 3 minutes 16 seconds it's a little bit longer than i than i thought it would be it it kind of reminds me of a repl- of a replacement song in which or in that i should say the the verse and the chorus are both super strong and the bridge is you know Noticeably weaker, but still works. Be, you know, based on the strength of of the verse and the chorus, it, it's. Uh, I think there's a lot of, uh, of replacement songs uh, that that kind of inhabit that space as well. But it, it just works. You know, really well here. The ending.
0: Um, I wanted to bring up, and I'm I'm looking at you, Logan. The, w- the way it fades out, and we're left only with vocals going. Mm-hmm. It's like a total Trent Reznor thing. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, no. And it's a har- it's harmonized. Yeah. It's total Trent Reznor harmony. I totally it totally just stands out cuz we're left yeah. with nothing but that. Yeah. Good observation.
1: That's what's really good.
0: Th- thank you. Thank you. I thought I thought it was very smart <laughs> when I came up with it. What
1: what does it mean to be on a plane? <laughs> <laughs> hey man, uh, I'm on my own kind of plane or it's like snakes on a plane, it's Kurt on a plane, but there's a lot of them. <laughs>
2: It's he's like, just all running around It's
1: PLAIN For the
0: listener
2: I just realized that as a kid when I would listen to <laughs> Unplugged I think I always associated this song With Plateau The cover they do on there And so in my head I just thought it was a geography thing. <laughs> Like he's like you know there's a plateau And then there's a plane He's talking about different geographic features Oh and before that They covered Running Up That Hill Lake of Fire also on that album he, Lakes, plateaus, plains it's a very geographic album.
1: I'm surprised he didn't do it with, like, I'm on a hill. <laughs> <laughs> All
2: right. Uh, Running up that hill. Next up is the last official track on the album, which is Something in the Way.
0: The last track on my vinyl disc, I'll tell you that much. from the sea it's
2: So, something in the way, uh, according to uh, various sources, including a Rolling Stone article from 2013, uh, was one that was very tough to record. And, and Logan, I think you mentioned this with Polly earlier, but I I had heard it with this song that they couldn't quite get it as quiet and subdued as they wanted, so Kurt just laid in the control room. Oh, that might have been it. it. Yeah, and that that Butch sort of mic'd it the best he could, including having to turn off the air conditioning. Something which we're all, fam- you know, familiar with. It Pretty really quite, yeah. is harder oh, to do
0: right. quiet than loud. Yeah. Uh,
2: also, the apparently, and I, I can't quite hear it, but Butch Vig says the cello is slightly out of tune to the guitarist because he mic'd Kurt the best he could. They got that, and then they went in and added the other stuff, the the bass, drums, and the cello. And he says the cello couldn't quite get it tuned exactly to the guitar. Um, and he says it adds kind of an eerie sound to it, but. I couldn't quite tell. Could you guys tell if the cello sounded out of tune to you with the guitar, or
0: maybe by like two cents? Yeah, it's not noticeably. So like <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I, it, it it does it's not sound like a, a little, synthesizer
1: tune. Yeah, I don't know. It works. It still works. Um, it's the
0: nature of the instrument. It's not like you have a, a, a guitar tuner to plug it into.
1: Yeah, he probably got so, there and he's like, "This guy's guitar's all fucked up," and like, <laughs> like I don't even know how to get this. In- <laughs> With and his. he's probably it's like, could even, you
2: could you have him? Uh, you, like, I'm imagining the cello player being like, could you maybe ask him to like tune his guitar up and then record it? And Butcher's like, no, 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 that's not so gonna
1: happen. You add, have like... a pitch shifter on or something? Or... It's like Kur-
2: Kurt won't do that. Don't don't even
0: ask. Just him plug that. plug the cello directly into the concert. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I want to give a shout out to Kirk Canning, who I, I don't know who that is, but he played the cello.
2: I want to say he was somehow related to the band L7. He is which the was spouse a, of ah, one of the, one okay, of the yeah. holy L7. shit, which was a Nirvana contemporary. Also, L seven, the band that opened for one of the times. Uh, I want to say that my brother saw Marilyn Manson here that L seven opened, I believe.
0: I if if my wife wasn't at that show, she was crying because she wasn't there. I believe
2: it was L <laughs> seven and Marilyn nuts Manson because because I want to say the first time was Nine Inch Nails and Marilyn Manson opened. And then when Marilyn Manson came back, L seven was one of them. Anyway, something in
1: the way it's something in the way it's it's powerful. It's uh, it kind of hints at a sense of foreboding, but you could say that in hindsight. And I'm sure it was received at the time as you know being powerful and haunting. But listening in context of what we know now is what eventually transpires. Really gives it a new kind of life to me on this listen, this round of listening. I don't know. I kind of thought about that more as I was listening to it, but I really I I like it. The keeping his, all those as pets, the Yeah, I would say a very evocative
2: imagery. Like you can imagine this scene like in in your head, you know, the tarps leaking under this bridge. Yeah, it's very A lot
0: more nature nature stuff like you were saying. Mm-hmm. Uh it's okay to eat fish. And when when that came up, I immediately thought of Mr. Mustache. <laughs> 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 Who, uh, who eats, who eats cow
3: and it's, yeah. and is it's, not proud, not proud. <laughs> exactly. Poop as hard as rock. Uh, Kirk, <laughs> you know, ne- never lived under a bridge, you know, that, that's a bit of a misnomer, but he did, you know, do a lot of couch surfing. I think he stayed with Dylan Carlson's family for a while and, uh, also, um, stayed on Dale Crover's porch. In a box, uh, some, some <laughs> nights while he was, you know, young and, and, and couch surfing a lot. So, you know, he's, he's was it he, a
1: heart shaped he, box? If
3: he, if he, hey, it was not a heart oh, box. Oh snap! Oh <laughs> snap! But you know, even if he didn't live under a bridge, he he definitely, you know, had some times and 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 could could uh, could could speak to to that experience.
2: Yeah, actually, uh, the come as you are thing. The hotel supposedly that was the hotel he crashed in when he was kind of looking for places to live. Uh, that comes a flop here. house yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> as far as a uh, thoughts on this song i don't are you laughing at flop house yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: uh, what a dumbass joke i just and, made as, as far, know, far as funny. like as far know, as like I... thoughts on this Sorry.
2: song go i i don't know why but this is one like i kind of like you were saying logan like it's good for sure and i i like it it's not, I don't know if I could say it's like one of my favorites on the album necessarily. Well, it it's kinda, not one of
1: my favorites. It, it's kind of similar to Polly. I think they're kind of like twins yes. almost. Yep.
0: And they both end a side of the record.
1: Yeah. And I think that's, again, shows like that side to them. And it would definitely, like you guys said, a, a prequel to that, you know, live and acoustic. Yep. This is the unplugged preview.
0: The yeah. real outlier. Both of on which the they album.
2: did at Unplugged, right? Of Didn't course. they do something in the way and Polly?
3: Yes, as and well it, as Come As You Are. There, there were three three songs from Nevermind Mind yeah, that, that, that could ended make up on the a, Unplugged an
1: argument of being a a trilogy, maybe. Come As You Are in there too.
2: Next up, the the kind of I guess the, something in the way is the official last track, and then there is if the, you had the CD. <laughs> there's the hidden track of Endless Nameless. Was it 10
0: minutes later?
2: Yeah, something like that. origin of this song goes, uh, I already mentioned it with lithium that it was sort of born out of the frustration of recording lithium that they, they jammed on this for a while. The only other note I really saw was that the guitar that Kurt smashed up during the recording of the song was a left-handed guitar, which weren't the easiest to find. And so they had to track down a replacement after he smashed it while oh they recorded God. this song in LA. Mm. Um, but yeah, I didn't uh, have anything else really about the, the background on it what do you guys think
1: i have a policy on secret songs oh it's uh i like them all it doesn't matter if there's a secret song (laughs) on an album i don't give a shit i like it i don't care what it is if it's just a little weird is on record a song my favorite my favorite secret song is uh better than ezra's uh oh crap what's the friction album i think that you have to like rewind the first song and there's one hidden before that kind of oh, shit yeah. that's cool that's that real trick. cool
3: yeah but no adrian fortress did that as well
2: ah any secret song i'm down my my favorite hidden song is on the x-files fight the future soundtrack where if you go to if you go to 10 <laughs> is, minutes, 13, is it 10 seconds. 13 on the last one you have somebody explaining the entire plot of the show to you which is uh was very helpful wow. to me at one point. I was I I think I tried to transcribe it down when I found it in, in middle school <laughs> or high school. I was like,
0: put that on the internet. Yeah. Um. For me, it's a uh, Green Day Dookie. We all love that one. Ooh, that is a good. Oh, one. I
3: do. I do like like that secret track and very much.
0: I li- I literally learned about there being a secret song on on Dookie from the playground, where a kid told me, and <laughs> oh, yeah, then I went home true. and I was like, holy shit. Is this where I mentioned I've never really listened to Dookie? You're out of your mind. I own Whoa. it. I Whoa, have it on my CD to shelf. Out, do a Green I Day. I never really Bro, listened to it. <laughs> it's so good. Um, I, don't, I don't know that I've ever heard a secret song that I'm like, this is so good, it needed to be a regular song.
3: Yeah. That's my hot it, they take.
1: They get a free pass. They get a free pass. <laughs> okay. So, so
3: much okay. for the Afterglow has a secret song that that's is right. a Christmas song that Hi. is not bad.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Now I'm thinking about other secret songs if there's one. Uh, The the Wilco. Do an episode on on secret songs. (laughs) We totally could do one on our favorite hidden track. Secret songs Um, is definitely worth a mini episode. Yeah, Matt, uh, Summer Teeth Candy Floss is technically a hidden track at the end. Uh, That one's good. Oh, The Bloodhound Gang. Uh (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) on hooray for is it hooray for boobies logan i feel like you would know this as well it's like there's like a shit ton of silent tracks and then there's her and then yeah there's the hidden songs yeah yeah remember Antichrist
0: superstar all right we're getting off track
2: sorry uh Endless You're nameless track ninety nine uh, baby. I, I think I think the fact that we got this far off track should say, at least for me, I don't really have a lot on endless nameless to say. Um, no, it's
0: a, it's an angry fuck you song. They're just angry and fucking around. I, it's <laughs> it's <kind> fun.
3: Of- <laughs> I, I kind
2: of like
0: it.
3: Uh, it. It I feel like it portends what more of what we would see on In Utero. You know, it 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 reminds me a lot of um, Tourette's on In Utero. Um, uh, kind of a, a Tourette's crossed with uh, with milk It, perhaps, and you know we'll, we'll get all all into that next episode. But uh, nope, not next episode. Next fun.
2: episode's Incesticide. Oh, excuse me. Is it
3: though? Yeah. Well, I I guess I guess we
2: we'll Incesticide came out after Nevermind. Yeah. But is it?
3: Does
0: it count as a studio LP? We don't need to have that We've conversation. Go with incesticide. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: no, 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 no. All right. Okay. So that wraps up uh, Nevermind. Let's get into our sort of uh feelings about it so i guess we'll start with what is the banger what's what's your what is the one track that you think uh slaps as the kids say
3: slaps the hardest the, the banger is in bloom uh i, I don't know that i it will be the the only one to say so uh it it's so much fun it's uh, you know it's got all the elements it, it's a great tune there's too many bangers i i don't think i can pick one it's just a
0: lot of bangers <laughs>
1: Like, I'm almost inclined to say that Smells Like Teen Spirit gets the maybe the true award for, like, as easy as that is, as the true banger. I mean, I'm more, I would like rather pick something like Breed or even In Bloom. I think In Bloom is also there. But I don't know. Smells Like Teen Spirit seems to kind of be the banger, maybe. I don't know. But I'm so tired of hearing it. And so I'm reluctant to pick it but it is Staying the Staying true to the
3: concept of what is the banger.
1: Yeah, and I think Butch Vig knew that, and, I mean, that's what changed, I don't know, that's what that was kind of the spark, I the feel The face like. of yeah. music.
2: I'm going to go with In Bloom as well, um, as far as my, my fave or what I think the banger is. Blake, what do you think? I don't know that I can pick, I mean,
0: I really don't know that I can pick just one. I mean, Breed, but no, that's not my favorite I'm more interested in what the sleeper is than what the banger is. Okay, so what's, kind your, of a, what's your sleeper I agree track. with Logan.
2: What's your sleeper track, then?
0: I'm going to say Drain You. That's a good pick. It's like the it's like the banger that you didn't know was a banger. It's as simple as that. Yeah. I would agree
2: with that. I, I was going to say On a Plane, just because it has the least plays on Spotify, yeah, which that's I find the, surprising. That's my second in But line, Drain You up. I would also agree with as, as the one that you could point to, to like, more people should know.
1: Yeah, I want to say territorial pissings, like, because I always gravitated towards that when I was younger. But upon re-listening, I, I do feel like Drain You probably should get it.
3: I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Josh's uh, insight, and and I will also say on a plane, um, based in part on the. Uh... The, the low spotify play I, I always i always kind of that was my favorite on the album as a kid and and felt like i was kind of you know ha- had some secret that that was such a great song yeah
0: you waited till the end of the album i did yeah, what,
2: uh, what about what song would you say you could probably skip be the most skippable so it's hard to say on this album lithium for logan
1: okay. yeah either lithium or stay away but lithium i think for me
2: I was going to say either Stay Away or Tourist Territory sings, although cuz again it depends on the day. I I like them both, but some days I prefer one to the other and I don't know if you need both, but that would be mine, one of those two.
0: I uh I could almost skip Polly if I was not in the mood for something for some sad bastard music. <laughs> and then likewise, I could I could see turning the album off after on a plane and I'm not crazy about something in the way um both of those could be skippers but i i'd like to give the album the respect it deserves and play it the whole way through
1: <laughs> it's very very uh very noble. nice of you
0: noble of me yes
3: i wouldn't Thank have, you. i wouldn't have said it at the time but uh i, I think lounge act is, is what i would skip uh back then i would have skipped territorial pissings but i i, I like i like it more now and and lounge act less
2: all right, what about uh covering a song? What what would you cover mm. if you had to choose a song on the album?
0: God. That's tough.
2: I I think for me it would be either Drain You or On a Plane. Again, they're my favorite like some of my favorites on the album and I feel like more people should know them and they're not like screaming the entire time like Bleach was, which <laughs> made it tough to say would you cover it? So that's oh, yeah. where I'm at.
1: I'd go Breed.
0: I w- I was going to say Breed, Logan. Nice. It would be so fun to play, right? Yeah, it just has that energy. Yep. Once you get it's locked into that groove, yeah, that bass, that bass sound thinks. is just gnarly. Yes. You can get some. We, and we know Josh loves a good uh, uh, bass. I, I do
2: like a, a fuzz bass, although I a big. Know, I, I do like the I do like the Matt Sharp fuzz bass. So.
3: I would want to cover In Bloom. I think I think In Bloom would be the most fun to play. Uh, in Bloom or Lithium, though, though I, I, it sounds like I'll, I'll need to <laughs> need to keep my powder dry on on Lithium. Uh, but, <laughs> but, uh, but but it, In Bloom would be good. But I, I've I would play any song off off this record. Uh, every single one is uh, is a banger in its own way, and and uh, it, it's it's tough to find one that that, that you wouldn't want to play.
2: With that being said, let me kind of transition us into just real quickly, let me give you the the legacy of this album, some some final critical kind of things, and then what our take is overall on the album. So this is uh, obviously one of those albums that's what regarded as a classic Uh, it's 17th on Rolling Stone's best albums of all time list pitchfork put it at number six on their best albums of the 1990s list NME, the new musical express in England put it at number 11 on their list of the 500 greatest albums and it's in both the a thousand recordings to hear before you die books that I've consulted as we said before the, the band was not necessarily happy with the mixes. Uh, for the album, Kurt said it sounded too much like a Motley Crue record and that they were sort of, once this album blew up, um, kind of turned their backs on parts of it. Uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit kind of dropped off the, the set list after a certain point. Uh, Butch Vig, I thought this was interesting. Butch Vig actually said, quote, By the time I'd done Nevermind, I'd recorded, I swear to God, a thousand bands that were just guitar bass, drums. I was reading about all these other records that I was getting excited about, like Public Enemy, using a sampler in the studio, and I just decided I wanted to do a bit of a U-turn, and that led to him forming Garbage with Shirley Manson. So I find it interesting that Nevermind, in a way led to garbage. Um, Also, one last story that I think is funny. Thanks to the success of Nevermind, Nirvana were invited to perform at the 1992 MTV Video Music Awards. When Kurt saw two pianos on stage, he assumed they were there for Guns N' Roses to perform November Rain. Kurt hated Axl Rose, felt that he was a racist and a homophobe, so Kurt went over and spit on the pianos. Later, he was horrified when he was told that they were there for Elton John to perform... (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. <laughs> oh man. So, it has nothing really to do with Nevermind, but I thought it was a funny no. anecdote and you know, they wouldn't have been there if without Nevermind. So, yeah, widely accepted as one of the best albums of all time. Um what are our feelings about it sort of overall? Um I'll start and just say for me, this is a 100% one of my favorite albums of all time. Um Logan, I remember, uh, I think, a couple years ago or last year, we talked about what are your favorite albums of all time, and I, I put this on my list of my top ten. So yep. definitely one of my top ten albums. What about you guys?
1: I gave it a, an 85% and it's yeah.
2: a B. Yep.
1: That seems, it seems harsh, but I know that your
0: grading scale is is a bit different.
2: 85? I think 85 is pretty good, well, though. eighty like 8. five I left off...
1: Uh, lithium and uh, stay away. So I, I just because I don't really really like them yeah. a whole lot. So that
3: made it to about you know eighty five percent. Gotcha. Uh, I I would I would say this is a hundred percent. This is a five babies thrown into the pool record uh,
2: <laughs> with air blown in their faces. Yeah. <laughs>
3: The the only the the only way that you would skip something is if you've if you've heard it enough you know if this was the first or second time that you've listened to this record uh, Butch Vig tells a story about uh, playing this at a barbecue um, uh, soon after the recording and and you know a lot of uh, music people were there this was in Madison including Billy Corgan and you know he put it on the boombox and everybody kind of just gathered around and you know listened and it ended. And there was a you know bit of a pause, and then somebody said, "Play it again." Uh, you, th- this is a this is a an epoch defining record.
2: I like to imagine Billy Corgan at a summer barbecue, <laughs> just like <laughs> fucking flip flops on. <all. laughs> He's in I his got
1: barbecue
2: shirt. <laughs> uh, I,
0: he has one of those aprons with something snarky on it.
2: It, it does. You you're telling that story though, uh, Matt. I get this, like, you know, the stories about, like, the Beach Boys hearing what the Beatles were doing and the Beatles here. Like, I wonder if Billy heard this and was like, all right, need to, st- you know, next album, I'm going to, you know, one up them and, and try even, you know, harder or something. Like, I, I kind of feel like he's got a competitive spirit like that. They got a cello. Ways.
0: I'm doing a string quartet.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. What's your score, Blake?
0: Um, yeah, I give it five baby penises. So, 100%? I mean,. I just can't not give it five stars because it is what it is. You know, it's kind of like, it is the great I am. It is never mind. <laughs> what else can you say? It's a formative record, wasn't it for every teenager?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, um, it sounds like all of us are pretty much would say that we would want
2: more of that. More of that? I think I want... Yes, more of that.
0: I think they've given us just the right amount of that. Can I say that?
2: No, I I would. if I heard this, I would be like, I want more of this band. I want to hear this band. Yeah,
0: Yeah. and I'm glad we have in utero for that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, uh, I guess that wraps up Nevermind. While Nevermind is one that uh, a lot of people have heard, uh, the next thing we're going to discuss is Incesticide, which is a Rarities compilation, uh, maybe has some lesser-known songs. But that will be the next thing we discuss. If I'm so okay excited
3: to talk about Aneurysm. It'll kind of be
0: uh, exploring some new territory for me, to be perfectly honest, because I did not have this record. I mean, I've heard probably most
2: of it. Well, do you like Nirvana drummers? Because it's got them all. (laughs) (laughs) Any Nirvana drummer you can throw (laughs) at. All of them? Yes, actually it That's the right answer. Every single Nirvana drummer they've ever had is on that album. Um, I believe. So uh, that will be what we're going to talk about next time. Thanks for listening to More of That Presents Discographology. More of That can be found anywhere you stream music, including Bandcamp at moreofthat.bandcamp.com and SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash moreofthatband.
3: You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at discographology and at moreofthatband. And
1: if you want to check out some of the music that I write, you can check out Logan Williams Music on YouTube or soundcloud.com forward Logan Williams Music.
0: We are on the Ox Podcast Network. That's AUX. There are currently two other podcasts on there. One that I do called Shelf Life. It's about toy collecting. And one that I produce that my wife does called Are You There Pod? It's about young adult novels.
2: So please join us next time when we will be discussing Nirvana's incesticide.
0: Yeah. See you guys later. Can't wait.
2: See ya. Yeah.
0: Thanks for listening.